The arts have the power to stir our souls, but what goes into being an artist? We listen to one musician share about the art and the heart of performance after the music. Welcome to the Upwards Podcast, an initiative of Upper House on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Through meaningful conversations, we explore the life of the mind and questions of the soul to enrich our university, our community, and the church. Be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on your preferred podcast service, and check out our upcoming events at upperhouse.org. Hello, and welcome back to Upwards. I'm your host, Dan. As someone with very few artistic bones in my body, I haven't had much exposure to performing on a stage. My musical career, with the trombone and baritone, ended after eighth grade. Though like most people, I'm captivated by the power of live performance. In this episode, our Director of Program Curation, Melissa Shackelford, sits down with our very own artist-in-residence, Wee Min Shin, for a conversation to explore what it's like to be both a Christian and a performing artist. I've had the pleasure of seeing Wee Min's work up close during her time at Upper House, and we're very excited to be able to share her story on the podcast. Wee Min is currently pursuing a Doctor of Musical Arts in Violin Performance at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and she's the artist-in-residence here at Upper House. Min grew up in Seoul, South Korea, and has also lived in the Philippines, Vietnam, and Grand Rapids, Michigan. She moved to Madison in 2018 for her master's degree at UW-Madison. We hope you enjoy this Upwards conversation with Wee Min Shin and Melissa Shackelford, as well as the additional music from one of Min's recent performances. Min, it's such a pleasure to be sitting here with you today um, and to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, there's so much to learn from your story and your experience. Um, I would love to start by asking just about your daily life as a doctoral student in violin performance. What does that entail? And like, what does your day look like today? And what has um, what is your week brought to you? Mm. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, my daily life. Um, well, today was a little bit different. I love Fridays. There's no teaching, no rehearsals, anything, um, no work. But today we had the photo shoot with my string quartet. So it started off as I, I usually go for a run in the morning. So mm. I would run, um, either listen to a podcast. I love listening to On Being by Krista Tippett. Um, and then I go on a bus, go to campus. We did the photo shoot today, but usually it starts with the rehearsal with the string quartet. Mm. And then some days I have teaching. I teach a string fundamentals class for music education majors. I also instruct uh, university orchestras and rehearsals with the quartet. As I mentioned, a lot of rehearsals. So we see each other every day. We're like family. And Upper House, work-wise, there's a lot of work by myself preparing for arts and culture track mm. and sometimes meeting with Cam, but also working with arts working group. Um, yeah, it, this semester is different. I'm not taking any classes. I'm done with the coursework. So it's a lot of work by myself, which I love. <laughs> so That's yeah, wonderful. and I started my dissertation process. I just met with my writing mentor yesterday. So mm. 
it's looking hopeful so far. <laughs> so, and yeah. I'm also hearing that you're not in a practice room 24/7, but I'm oh, no. sure that <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of preparation for just your performance work as a violinist and how how often do you perform during the semester? During the semester, um, so I'm in different ensembles. I'm in the string quartet called Rabin String Quartet that's funded by the school. So we work mm. a lot together, perform here and there. Last week we had a gig. Um, we played for the faculty members for like a reception. So that was kind of a fun <laughs> performance. But, but we also give official concerts at least once a semester. And then there's a solo performance coming up Um it's just entirely me, which is in December. Mm. Um, and then I'm also in an ensemble called Bridge Project. Um, it's a project where a classically trained musicians, my, like myself, mm -hmm. a string quartet, and a jazz musician. So we perform together and we tour around different schools in Madison and sometimes in Milwaukee, mm. um, like high schools and middle schools. And we do like outreach projects, just give performances to them and then interact with them and mm. kind of show them that classical music and jazz music can be friends and that it can be fun. <laughs> so yeah, we perform, we, me, um, I perform a lot uh, with them, mm. but also myself. I play at the church a lot too. So that's also, I would say, performance. <laughs> wow. There's a lot that goes into being a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I get to do what I like doing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, one of the reasons why I was interested to talk with you today was really to focus on this idea of performance. And I mean, the fact that you're you're setting your life up to perform as a violinist. And obviously, there's a lot of other um, parts you mentioned teaching and um, even the dissertation you're completing that, you know, contribute to your life as a professional musician. But um I was not a music major in college. However, I did um, pursue the arts and was involved in music all throughout my high school, my college career, through choir, vocal performance, um, and studied voice privately. And so I'm coming to this conversation with that background in mind. Um, I routinely struggled with like anxiety and uh, perfectionism related to performing, feeling like this intense internal pressure to you know, produce something that was polished and came across a certain way to an audience or even peers. Um, and I wondered, um, I wanted to learn from you and your story and what maybe you've struggled with as a performer and kind of how far you've come from, uh, I believe you've been performing for several years. I think you started playing the violin when maybe you were around three or four. Is that six? Six. Sorry. <laughs> you were around Close. six. That's great. Um but uh, I'm just so intrigued, wondering about performers like yourself, especially who are pursuing performing as a career. So um, how do you describe your relationship to performing when, when you think about it? Uh, um, do you run into those barriers or uh, what do you think about in the, the connection between performance and, and how you relate to it? Yeah, um, it, it changed a lot uh, throughout those years that I you know, have been performing. Right now, I almost think of it as a celebration and mm. sharing. So it has become more of a communal experience than performance or like presentation of something that I prepared. And that is mm. true, but it's more like 
I I like to think of it as me being a chef. Like I prepare a meal for people I love, or even people that I don't know, but I will get to know as I share my music. So, and when I think of it as providing feasts、uh, for people, it becomes more joyful. Like it is fun to do, but it of course goes, you know, it involves lots of preparation. You、wow. think about it. You think through, pick the ingredients that you want to put in your dish, and you want to pick like organic fruits and vegetables. And there's some things that you can only get in、uh, specific stores like、mm-hmm. that. So it's similar in that way that、mm-hmm. I am preparing something for people and for myself too. Like it's a feast that I'm giving, but I get to eat with them too. And you see their Reactions to it, and that's really fun to see. And just like music, I perform for them, and people respond differently. And sometimes they feel something that I didn't feel in my own playing. So、mm. it's really exciting to hear from them how they felt from my performance. So yeah, but it wasn't like that always. Like growing up, I it was more like a task, achievement.、Mm. Uh, yeah, tell me more about that. Where maybe what barriers did you have to overcome and What what did performing feel like as a child? Yeah, I think、um, my earlier memories of performing is when actually going further back. My I started because my dad wanted me to play the violin. My dad、mm. is a pianist, and he wanted his daughter to play with him. So if I play the violin, we get to perform together. So I remember when we had guests at home. I I knew that I had to play, so I would have to play. Sometimes I liked it, not always.、Um, so it was a lot of like, oh, like I have to do this,、mm. which was like I didn't hate doing it, but it's also not super voluntary.、Mm-hmm. So、yeah. there was a lot of that, and I actually stopped performing for about a year, and then I、wow. wanted to do it again.、Um, it was around when I was. Ten, I、mm. think, but I met this teacher who really inspired me,、um, and the joy of performing music, making music, experimenting different sounds.、Um, and ever since, I slowly liked performing. And and I guess like I I I would be lying if I say oh like compliments weren't like affecting me. It sure, did affect、sure. me for sure. <laughs> We're all human.、Um, yeah. <laughs> But I think I I I've gotten to enjoy practicing a lot, which is weird、mm-hmm. thing to say now. <laughs>、um, as I look back, I there were times that I really hated practicing, but that has become almost like intimate conversation with me and violin, and and then now I think of it as you know sharing that experience with others too. So、mm. yeah, and I forget your answer.、Uh, Question, actually, <laughs> no. We were just talking about your your relationship to performing, but then we reflecting on where you came from in your your、mm-hmm. childhood,、um, your earliest memories of performing, and I was、um, talking about what you were working through,、mm-hmm. um, and it sounded like you were so you're reflecting on the task oriented nature、yeah. of where it came from. But then it sounded like there was quite a pivotal moment with this teacher. Yeah. After a year, a year of not performing, I'm actually curious how did how did your parents respond to that? Were you like, did you you know stop and protest and tell them you weren't going to perform for a year, or was it more of a 
gradual stepping away from the violin at that point? Yeah, I actually don't remember exactly, but they were pretty okay with it. I think my dad mm. understood what it's like yeah. to not like doing it. So I think he was very, in a way, understanding that I didn't want to do it for a year. And then when I wanted to do it again, I'm sure he was happy. <laughs> but I think the um, big moment in my life that I really decided to pursue music was at the time when I was applying for a music school, uh, mm. for like music school for middle schoolers. I did not get in. Um, mm. I didn't get in. And my teacher, it was a teacher who really inspired me. And she was the one who encouraged me to apply for that school. Mm. Um, and when I didn't get in, obviously she was disappointed. I was disappointed. My parents were disappointed. And actually my parents told me, maybe you should just pursue something else. Mm. I remember like touring a mm. hospital. They were like trying to convince me to be a doctor. I even remember, remember seeing like, I don't know, like a brain or something. And um, I wasn't interested. I actually told them that even though I didn't get in the, into the school, I still want to keep doing mm. music. Wow. And Actually, that was a big moment. If I got into the music school, I don't know if I would have kept doing it. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I would have. But I think that was actually the moment. Like, oh, like, even if I didn't get into school, I still love music. That means that I really like music. <laughs> Did so, you feel a sense of calling at that point? Or was it more about desire? I think it was probably both. Yeah. I was quite young. I was 12. Wow. Um, but I really wanted to do it. Yeah, nothing else interests me at the time. Mm. Um, and I was never a child prodigy. I was never really gifted at music. My dad knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like doing it for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm wondering what other influences have played a role in your development as a performer? I mean, we're just talking about you're only at the age of 12, but you've since then pursued many other education, forms of education and training, I believe. Um, so what other parts of your journey kind of were pivotal in developing you um, as a musician? Yeah, I think uh, attending different performances and seeing the artists, musicians that I respect hmm. influenced me a lot as a performer and learned a lot, especially because I didn't go to a school with intense training mm. until I would say masters okay at UW so it was a lot of seeing and learning from watching and listening to other performers and in a way imitating mm -hmm. yeah what do you what do you listen for when you're watching somebody else perform mm. if I'm watching a violinist uh, so many things, <laughs> like how they stand, how they communicate with the orchestra or pianists or other ensemble members, mm. how they breathe, how they make their facial expressions, how they make sound, obviously, how they how they communicate with the space too, um, mm. how they feel their resonance. So many things, actually. Wow. How yeah. does that? How do you then take those things back to your own practice? Mm. Some of them very specific, like when I see how they hold their bow in a certain way that creates certain sound, if I really like it, I would try it. Sometimes mm -hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I, I pick on a lot of specific things and apply on my own performance too. And yeah, and actually that helps a lot. 
Wow. Mm. Reflecting on a, a different part of my experience in um, just choral music, as I had mentioned early on, and and some um, just vocal performance, so much of what you perform um, comes from just who you are and what, you know, what you're even thinking about, like what you're creating. Um, like you just said, there's so many different things to observe about what a performer is contributing to their piece. And I think, I wonder how you experience the interplay of performance and like identity as an individual. So those things get blurred together in a, in a positive way, in a negative way. Um, how, how do you think about that connection? Yeah, that's a really hard one. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I forget my identity as a beloved person, mm. beloved daughter of my creator, it's really easy for me to identify myself as someone who did this well, someone mm. who performed well or not. So it's easy for me to measure my identity with how well I performed mm -hmm. or not when I kind of forget who I am actually. Um, and that's, that's tricky because I'm constantly being evaluated, especially as a student too and performer. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard. I have to constantly remind myself. Yeah. Wow. How then do you pull yourself back to that place of celebration? I loved that you started out with that word. Um, that even just opened my mind for the possibilities of what, what you can focus on as a performer and what you're offering. Do you, do you talk yourself through different, um, you know, mindsets or uh, how, do you, how do you get yourself out of that mode and, and back to that place of celebration? Yeah, I, I think it becomes very obsessive when I'm just thinking of myself. Mm. But when I think of others who come to celebrate with me, it becomes easier because I'm looking my performance from their perspective too. And then I'm like, oh, if I'm an audience, you know, like that mistake wouldn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. Actually, what I want to listen to is maybe certain emotions or surprises, I don't know, but I think when I just think of myself, it's really hard to get out of that um, place where I am very critical of my own performance and mm -hmm. very, like the state of frustration, it's, it's easy. It's yeah. very easy to get into that place. Yeah. yeah. How has your faith played a role in that journey? I think many ways. Uh, one of one of them would be that you know I can never impress God. <laughs> like even if I do so well, I can never impress God, and I can also mm. never disappoint Him. Mm. And that's comforting. Um, sometimes it's annoying. Like even if I do well, like He's actually not gonna be like super surprised. But that means that <laughs> you know it doesn't matter how well yeah. I do, but it also matters um, how. I do my best. I don't know. I'm not God. So I don't yeah. know exactly how I how he feels about my performance. I would love to know, but sure. also not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it definitely it's a it's a comforting reminder for myself that it really doesn't matter how well I do. Um 
in terms of how much she loves me. So, mm. yeah. Is there anything that performing has taught you about being a Christian, or any any metaphors you draw from the your role and and life as a musician that mm-hmm. influences your faith? Yeah, I think it te- it it is still teaching me about love, which is a big word, mm-hmm. but it all goes back to love and. It can be looked at in many different perspectives. Like it can be looked at um, me giving love, but also me receiving love, as in God giving me this gift of music mm. to share, but also to feel loved by Him um, in the act of practicing, preparing, and but also presenting, performing to others. So. Like the uh, the virtue of love, but also I guess self discipline for sure. Mm. It there's a lot of patience and hours of practicing that goes in. So I think like the whole journey of preparation and presenting, and sometimes just accepting the fact that I can never be perfect. That vulnerability. Yeah. Um, so I guess everything, because I think music is such a big part of my life that I'm constantly learning about who God is and what he has for me in this life through music is mm. all a jumble of learning process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. You mentioned um, that part of your, your season right now involves some teaching. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy passing on? Um, and and imparting to other musicians. I mean, I'm sure you're going through a lot of technique. Mm. Um, but do you get to lean into the some of these other areas, or even you talked about going to schools and influencing younger, upcoming musicians or, mm. or just growing musicians? Um, what do you like to pass on and teach others? I think celebrating um, the act of creating. I think performing is different from other arts. Mm. Um, like even very different from composing, like because mm. we're not literally creating something very new. Some people call it like interpreting, but I think it's more than that. You mm. give life to the music that's given to you. Um, and to teach that, it's hard to get to that point uh, with mm. the students I have, but I mean, I want to ultimately. But I guess for me right now, it is teaching <laughs> a lot of patience, I suppose, um, a lot teaching technique it's Mm -hmm. not only many hours but also many nights that you sleep in you have to wait like it requires Mm -hmm. lots of time not just efforts um and that's a light lesson too in anything you do it takes time (laughs) uh but ultimately i would love to teach what it means to give music to others and being generous and being celebratory about you're making. That's beautiful. What, uh, given that so many hours goes into a performance, what makes for a successful performance for you? Mm. I think I just mentioned, yeah, many hours of practicing, many <laughs> hours to sleep in, <laughs> being patient. But um, doing it every day, even mm-hmm. if that's seven minutes per day, it is 
you have to do it every day、mm-hmm. it's like you you have to eat every day i'm actually not really you do but you do you、mm-hmm. have to drink water every day um it's many hours of practicing but at the end of the day to get to that successful performance you have to be in a state where you have to let go <laughs> Because、mm. there's a lot of rational part of you that goes into practicing,、mm. but in the end, it's all intuition. Like you have to be free on the stage to、mm. give.、Um, you can't be thinking of notes,、um, but that's really hard to learn. So it ex- it requires lots of experience of doing it.、Mm. Um, how did you How did you learn that? Hmm. Definitely, lots of experiences, but I guess I have many teachers、uh, so far. At least twelve. I can't even、wow. remember all. Lots of yelling involved to learn <laughs> that too.、Um, and surprising that surprisingly that worked for me at times.、Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to not only think of myself and. That is something that I can't really learn from someone else. So I have to realize、yeah. it, because、uh, the whole point of doing performance isn't really for myself. It's、mm. for others, for us. Yeah. yeah. What do you find you're letting go of for you personally when you're trying to get into that place of being free to to、mm. give, like you're saying? I really can't be perfectionist because、mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as successful performance requires intuition, letting go, yeah, that also means that you have to kind of tell yourself, okay, you're not gonna be perfect, and that's okay as long as you really give something that you want to give,、mm-hmm. whether that's certain emotion that you want to deliver or the intent that the composer had behind, or just that moment of. Giving sound or atmosphere,、um, and that is beyond playing right.、Mm. If there is a certain, if there is playing right, you yeah, know, at if that's all, even like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. What gives you the most joy as a performer? Hmm. When I really feel the communication when I perform,、mm. like from the audience and、mm. me, that's that's a wonderful experience that I can never have in my life,、um, other than performing.、Um, and it's hard to describe in words, but when I perform and I feel that sense of communication from、mm. the audience and me and the sound, that is. That really gives me joy, and sometimes it doesn't happen at all in some performances, but sometimes it does. And when it does,、mm. that's that's something that I that that keeps me going. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the flip side of that question is, what do you hope others experience when you perform? Do you imagine them having a particular?、Um, Experience, or or they're being influenced in a particular way by a piece, or、mm. what do you hope to impart? It depends on what kind of piece I play,、mm. but I want them to 
feel something that they resonate personally in their life,、um, and that could be that could be anything. It it、mm. really could be something that I haven't experienced with that piece of music,、um, but it could be. I I want them to feel comforted in some ways or loved. Um, even if that's not like certain kind of emotion, I want them to feel cared for、um, in my playing.、Um, that I put those hours in for you、uh, to hear the music. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm learning just the immense gift,、um, all the nuance that is behind even a single performance, and really the invitation to be part of a celebration. I'm reflecting back even on just the chef imagery you gave us at the beginning, and just the the intricacies that are offered,、um, and the letting go. That's quite a quite a remarkable image, I think, for me as I was just sharing about different struggles I've had when I've thought about music. But、um, I think you're really calling us to a higher place, and、um, really, you talked so much about. Love and the call to love and be loved, and when you're performing from that place,、um, that really is the ultimate success. Min, thanks so much. This was really encouraging conversation,、um, and I hope our listeners enjoyed it too. So, thanks, thanks for, for having chatting me. with me. <laughs> thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming events on UpperHouse.org. The Upwards podcast is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Hosted by Dan Hummel, music by Micah Bear, audio engineering by Jesse Koopman, and graphic design by Madeline Ramsey. Please follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, with the handle at Upper House UW.